This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Tuesday, May 14th, 2019. It's one plus seven day and one plus seven pro day. And my guest is no other than David Ruddock of Android Police. Hi, David. How are you? Hello. I'm doing well. Thank you. Wonderful. So we just witnessed the OnePlus 7 Pro launch. And of course, we also saw the OnePlus 7 in other parts of the world. You've played with one. I've played with one. This is going to be a review. Yeah. I, I, I haven't personally used it as my primary device, but I have one and I have used it. So... Well, that's what I mean. Like, I have reviewed it for two weeks. My review is on Geekspin. You can look at it. I'll have it linked in the show notes. Um, but I didn't swap my SIM into it. And the big problem for that is, you know, I, on average, I get a phone a week to review. And, I mean, I don't always swap my SIMs in them. Yeah. I think it's a personal choice. I, unfortunately, I'm doing another phone review right now. Otherwise, I probably would have switched over. Um, but I, I wasn't able to. Still, I think a lot of what uh, we've seen reviews across the web today and also you know i ryan hager reviewed the phone for us and i think that so far the impressions are are very positive uh, for everything i've seen from most people <laughs> has been extremely uh extreme positive i think these are the best reviews OnePlus has had uh in quite some time yeah so i mean okay so let's maybe let's start what are what are the things that stood out for you i think that number one is uh well, they've made the phone bigger. Um, they include the 90 hertz display, which I, a lot of people, until you see it, until you use it, it's one of those things that you, it sounds like, you know, marketing gobbledygook. It sounds like, you know, it's not that big a deal. It's just another spec sheet item to tick off. But it really does improve the experience in a noticeable way, provided you can see the difference in the uh, screen refresh rate. But I think most people will be able to notice that. And I think the other thing is they, they really did make a good leap in terms of camera. I don't think they're operating at Google Pixel level. I don't think that in some respects they're quite operating at Samsung level. But in other ways, they're actually beating both of them, which is something I don't know that we ever thought we'd say about a OnePlus So wait, wait, wait. I was on board until you say in some ways it beats the Pixel 3. It does. It does. I want to hear your take on that. And I think that's so. I think the reason it beats it, and this comes down to technology. So uh, like like we were saying, it has a 48 megapixel rear camera. And this is a new generation of Sony sensor that's been around for, I guess, almost a year now. I think these sensors have been around. And Google stuck with a, a, a true 12 megapixel sensor on the Pixel 3 last year. And same on the Pixel 3a because they have the same camera. But OnePlus up to the new 48 megapixel sensor that Sony has out there. And it uses pixel bidding. Um, and using pixel bidding, you know, obviously the idea is you have so many megapixels, but the pixels are so tiny and you bid them together, to get more light, blah, 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 blah. But a side effect is because you still are working from that physical resolution, you're getting so much more raw detail. Right. In the okay. Image. So I'm on board with that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not surprised actually about what you said, about matching and sometimes exceeding the Galaxy S10 Plus, because that's kind of been my experience overall with this phone. Now on hardware, of course, it's better than because I have 48 megapixels, but I'm not, I'm not seeing the results you see with a Pixel 3 in terms of like sharpness, maybe, but not dynamic range and low light, right? I, I think so. They're on the subject dynamic range. I absolutely agree. It's not there. OnePlus, their processing still definitely needs some work. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of like color balance and everything, 
It's better though. It's still a lot better than it was. And a lot of that's probably down to the new Sony sensor. They're using updated firmware and everything. But I think the the other thing to look at, night performance actually is pretty good. It's shockingly good for yeah. a OnePlus phone. I have to say this is, I mean, okay, let's, let's reset for a second. The camera on the OnePlus 7 Pro to me is by far the best OnePlus camera. Definitely. It is definitely a huge improvement even over the 6T. I feel it's competitive. It runs with the pack of the current, you know, uh, what I, I'm calling them in my review, the premium flagships, like the ones that cost more money. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, they all have their strengths. And of course, in terms of imaging, this, the, the winners right now are the P30 Pro and the uh, Pixel 3, right? I think that's the fair. The 3 Series, yeah. 3A, 3XL. Uh, yeah. And and I feel that, you know, if you're expecting it to be able to beat that, as, as David said, I think in some ways it's going to do that. But in some ways it's not. Yeah. I think in the ways that most people are going to notice, it probably won't. But I think what we're seeing is that it's no longer such a wide gap in the performance anymore that it's something that you have to say, well, but it's not that big because it's always been the thing with OnePlus's phones. The camera has always been the Achilles heel. It's always been the it's such a great phone, but yeah, and it's yeah. all the camera's always been the first item on the butt list, uh, yeah. as we call it. Um, <laughs> the, butt <laughs> the butt, the OnePlus butt list. The butt list also uh, contains wireless charging, um, and it used to contain slow software updates, but they're sl they're slowly starting to address things. Yeah, we're, we'll talk about the uh, niggles. I have a yeah. bunch, but first, I want to kind of finish with the camera. I think what I liked about this camera is that it you know it runs with the pack it has strengths and weaknesses compared to some of the you know i i think overall to me it compares well with the s10 plus yeah um but i think the the uh the versatility i mean you know again this is i think what you expect when you look at premium flagship now you want those three lenses yep. you want definitely want a wide angle definitely like an ultra wide and you definitely want a good main sensor that has that low light performance and this delivers by as you said that imx uh, 586 from sony yeah it's a quad buyer very similar to the quad buyer setup in the p20 and the mate 20. yeah uh so it's rgb but it's quad buyer and they're doing 40 megapixels sony's doing 48 so you got a pixel binning and you can get more detail if you want and if you're yeah you know, it's, it's a very clever thing and i think you, you're even seeing some i think some people are using 20 megapixel selfie sensors i think yes. Apple might be yes, that do the same so they output you know like five megapixel or whatever and uh, I think that's a good way to go. Yeah, the pixel binning is definitely a technology that's caught on really quickly in the mobile image sensor world because I think it gets over one of the, the big issues of mobile image sensors, which has been, well, we want to make sure in the package size we have to fit this smartphone sensor. We need to have enough pixels that, you know, we're going to have a reasonable resolution, but the pixels need to be big enough to let in enough light. And the pixel binning solution has really allowed us to get around that performance bottleneck in a really big way. We're also seeing bigger sensors, um, you know, uh, we're up to, I think, with the uh, with some phones that are coming out, um, we're up to uh, one over 1.7 inch, which is a very big sensor for a phone. And tons of phones, the, the Sony the Sony sensors are, all, I believe, one one over. They're half inch sensors. I think people yeah. would say one over one half inch. I mean, it, they're not as big. I mean, you know, OnePlus made a big stink about this on stage. How big their sensor is, physically big. Yeah. Uh, but you compare it to like a P30 Pro sensor, it's a yeah. whole different ballgame, right? Yeah, definitely. There's still like a whole different world. Yeah. So I, I think that that's, you know, it's, it's, they're standing out so much more. And I think one of the other things I would say, if you break down the individual sensors and 
compared to the Galaxy S10 Plus, which is you know a nine hundred dollar or is a thousand dollars, a thousand dollar phone. Yeah. And so the S10 Plus telephoto, without a doubt, is worse in every way than the OnePlus Seven Plus. I think the Galaxy S10 Plus telephoto sensor is garbage. And it I mean, always it's two has times been. instead of three times. And I think well, I think it's over sharp. It comes out super muddy. And it's just not good. It's never been good. It's the same sensor they've been using since the Galaxy Note 8. And it was Ooh, not good yeah, then. You're right. It wasn't good then. And they've just changed the processing on it. And it hasn't fixed it. Yeah. And it's so one I, micron. Although this one is two. I think it's... I, I just don't think it's a good sensor. I don't think it was good to start with. So I think I think Samsung sandbagged itself there very intentionally because they bought Core Photonics and they wanted to do the Periscope camera. And I right. think that's going to come with Note 10. And so they're going to be able to show this this giant leap in performance. But I think they've also, you know, they shot themselves in the foot a little bit because I think all these these Chinese companies and their phones, they're getting ahead of Samsung again. And I think on the main sensor, honestly, the level of detail the OnePlus phone providing is better, which does matter for some situations. I think the night performance out of the box blows away Samsung now. Yeah. Samsung's night performance yeah. is terrible. And on the wide angle sensor, that is the one I'll give to Samsung. They've definitely got a better yeah, sensor. The wide on the wide angle, angle. is it's really soft. I think it's a softer issue. I was playing with it a little more. Uh, today during the uh, actually during the event because it's, it was a low light situation and I noticed that if you met so that what's interesting about their wide angle like Huawei's it has autofocus which is kind of counterintuitive on yeah. a wide angle Huawei did it specifically to have that macro functionality but uh, OnePlus is doing it for basically the I don't know they didn't say they just told me it was one autofocus I didn't believe them at first and then I tested it and sure enough it will focus like on my ring on my finger uh, pretty close up. So, and you can see the red background blurring off. So, um, here's what I'm thinking: the auto it's either autofocus and processing, or a combination of the two that are making these wide-angle photos on the OnePlus Seven Plus a little fuzzy right now. Yeah, it's possible. I just said OnePlus Seven Plus. <laughs> OnePlus Seven Pro a little fuzzy, and because they really are a little fuzzy. I think so. And uh, but, like I said, it's such a quantum leap over where even the 6T was oh, yeah. in terms of overall camera performance. And that really was the thing that was still holding back the 6T. The 6T was an improvement over the 6 because of the software changes they made. But overall, the camera was still like, well, it's okay. I think with the OnePlus 7 Pro, you can finally say, yes, it is a phone with a good camera system. It's good. It's not great. It's not it's competitive. It's competitive. It's yeah. competitive. And I think in many ways, you know, like if you look at what LG is doing, I think OnePlus is making probably at this point, you could say overall a better camera system than LG is making. Overall. And I think if you look at Samsung, you could say it's a matter of trade-offs. What do you what do you value more? Exactly. And I think in many cases, people like might like the OnePlus 7 Pro's cameras better than Samsung's at this point, which can't believe we'd ever be saying that. But it seems to finally be true. I think uh, for me... The selfie is not the best, though. I mean, what do you think? Have you I haven't tried it out, so I, I, I can't say for sure. I, I think that what I'd read so far is that people were okay with the results. I don't think there was any great enthusiasm about them, which is odd because Oppo's, excuse me, OnePlus, Freudian slip there, uh, <laughs> uh, OnePlus's manufacturer it's is... It's all in the BBK family. Uh, their manufacturer is Oppo, and Oppo's so well known for making those ultra-high resolution selfie cameras. It's what they do. Okay, let me rephrase this whole question around this front facer because after you use a Pixel phone, no portrait yeah. camera is any good. Yeah. No, and not just portrait, no front facing camera is any good. And and I hate to say this because, like, it's it's as you said, it's fine for the little bit I tested it. It does okay in low light. I was surprised about that. But is it good? Eh. 
it's okay. It's 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 not. Is the is the Samsung better? Man, not really either. You know what I'm saying? Like it's competitive. But I wish like when you have a Pixel in your hands and you take a, a selfie, you're like, wow. Yeah. Like wow. Like I can count the eyelashes on my on my eyes. Insane. Yeah, the processing and the way they do it on the on the Pixel just really takes it over takes it over the line in a way like. Samsung's honestly been dragging their feet on selfie cameras for years now. And I think Pixel finally was the point at which ever the industry kind of perked up and went, oh, I guess we need to be working on this again. Because I think that's been a cost cut for a lot of these manufacturers. We're like, yeah, most people seem okay with whatever on the selfie yeah. camera. They don't seem to care about quality. It's just about capturing the person in the moment. You know, the quality was secondary. And so the selfie camera is in a pop-up pod that automatically uh, extend and restacks from the top edge of the phone. Um, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, they made a big fuss about how it has free fall detection. So if you drop, if you go to drop the phone, we've actually tested this. Uh, I think everybody started on a pillow or something. It doesn't take much. Like you can just start dropping the phone and it retracts like even a foot before you hit, you know, the ground or the pillow in our case. Uh, that's impressive. Uh, I mean, it's been done before, free fall, um, you know, Apple did it on the Mac, you know, the power books back in the day for parking the hard drive heads. Wow. Yeah. So accelerometers are a thing and they're in our phones. So there yeah. you go. Um, but the other thing is they, they have done um, MTBF or mean time between failure of 300,000 uh, cycles on the, on the camera motor or system. So that should be pretty reliable. The thing that blew me away the most, and I don't know how, you know, it's a demo test in-house thing so some third party needs like zach at jerry rig everything needs to rig this and try it out was it 40 pounds or 40 kilos that they suspended about, i believe it was about 50 pounds yeah. whatever they suspended some massive weight from the um the selfie pod like basically imagine the selfie pod retract you wrap something around it like a cable and you hang something from that yeah so that was surprising uh i don't think that you you know you're going to break that thing too easily is basically no. what it is. I wouldn't be concerned about it. I, honestly, the durability concern to me on the pop-up stuff is we. everybody brings up, oh, we're introducing mechanical parts into a product that historically has never needed mechanical parts. Why would you introduce the complexity? And it's like, well, on the one hand, I can see what people are saying. On the other, I feel like such simple mechanisms, we've been making this stuff for decades. I think it's pretty easy to build something... Give, you just you get a bill of materials, you get a set of tolerances, and you decide, you know, how overbuilt do I want this to be? Yeah. And I don't think it's that complicated. Yeah, I mean, if you look at how complicated your car is, trust me, you yeah. can make, that gets way more cycles than that camera ever will. Yeah. Um, so I think that, and I'm talking about things like your power windows or whatever, and those are just slightly larger versions of that same kind of system. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, when the first pop-up camera came out with the Nexus, and then followed by the Oppo, the, that Vivo Nexus, and then followed by the Oppo Find X. Yes. I was the first one to say, I don't think this is going to be an issue in terms of reliability long term. Now it hasn't been two or three years, so maybe I'll eat my words, but but I felt like uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I don't think so either. I think probably, and I, I bet the longevity is probably tied to a plastic gear in there somewhere where eventually it just strips. And well, yeah. you know, what yeah. are you going to do? Yeah. I, I wouldn't be concerned about it either, quite honestly. I'm more worried about things like um, ingress of dust and dirt and lint than I'm worried about 
um, any of the actual moving parts failing. Yeah, and I think from what I've seen, the seal on the top of the phone seems pretty tight with that camera closed. Yeah. I don't think a lot's going to get in there. And there's no reason that the camera would open erroneously. Like, it wouldn't just randomly pop up in your pocket. In fact, it is a privacy feature because if any system on your phone is trying to access the front camera, that thing has got to pop out. That's true. It does. So yeah. if Facebook ever tries to use your camera without you knowing, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's a, that's actually a surprisingly decent, that's, a, that's, I had not thought about that, but I think it's something that could really there resonate. You yeah, yeah. Um, you know, your phone only records, you know, when your phone is taking a video of you. That's actually, that's pretty clever. So you, we talked a little bit at the beginning and we got into the camera. You talked about the display in the 90 hertz. I thought it, you said something interesting because I had a hard time seeing the, I mean, look, OnePlus phones have always been super fast and fluid to me in terms of user experience. And I actually pulled out my McLaren OnePlus 6T and scrolled side by side. And I had a hard time noticing it until I looked at text. And then I was like, oh, now I'm seeing that refresh yep, rate. It's definitely. text is not like we're doing that weird pixel dragging wavy thing that it does. Um, it won't like... So what I'm saying to you is if you are buying the phone for that, like maybe don't, I mean, it's, it's a good reason. It's a good thing to have on display, but I wouldn't buy this phone for the 90 Hertz. I would say that, um, you know, don't expect it to be magically like, I still think that the digitizer smoothness is not quite there it's yet. It's not. It doesn't feel like an iPad with that 120 mm -hmm. Hertz. Or it doesn't. And you know what I'm saying? You're absolutely right about that. I think, though, that they're leading on that. It's aspirational in a way that I want phone manufacturers to be about refresh rate because I think it's kind of the it's the frontier we have to push on phones in terms of performance going forward. You can always I have, agree. You can always have responsiveness and speed, but the way that the tactile experience, that's what I would say the refresh rate really impacts. It's the tactile experience. And as long as the touchscreen controller is pulling um, at that same, you know, I believe it's supposed to be, you're supposed to pull at double the rate of the screen's frequency in order to have perfect touch response. So if you use like, what's what's interesting is if you use an iPhone 10, for example, mm -hmm, or a 10s, it almost feels like it could be 90 hertz because the, the touch screen controller is tuned so And that's the one thing about iPhones and Apple and iOS and then, and, and generally speaking, I, iPads yeah. that I just, even if you don't have the 120 hertz refresh, it just feels so smooth. Yeah, but if you do use the 120 hertz and you notice how much smoother it can even be than that, and yes. you're like, oh, I really want that. And, yeah, I, yeah. And, and I think there's another fair point. Ryan was talking about this uh, with us earlier was uh, basically on such a tiny screen, you don't notice it as much. It's just a matter of like, it's a matter of how you perceive things. On a big screen, you notice refresh rate really easily. Like I have a 24 inch gaming monitor that refreshes 144 hertz. And if you turn that down, to 60 hertz you your eyes it. want to bleed yeah it's just yeah. not good oh yeah on a phone it's a little bit more difficult but i think your text point is really I mean, 72 hertz is supposed to be the sweet spot for a display that's like a laptop or even a desktop mm -hmm. right display in terms of distance from you yeah phones are a little different but you know it's funny because during the keynote they said that their first 90 hertz display i mean okay they said they're the first 90 hertz quad hd yes. display and that technically is correct because uh asus rock phone um, did it first at 90 hertz with a 1080p AMOLED panel. So this is, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Quad HD AMOLED with that 90 hertz refresh, without a notch, with curved edges, which with corners that to my taste are too rounded yet again. I don't know, it's a weird thing that the Galaxy S10 corner radii, radius, whatever, is kind of a good one for me. So is It's the very main... square on the Galaxy S10. 
Yeah, and I like it better that way. I feel that the OnePlus 6T was the first to go like, wow, the ring, I can literally use the pinky of my, like my pinky uh, corner as like, as a round radius. And you notice it when you do like Instagram. Like, let me show you actually. You notice kind of like it cutting, it's cutting off some of the UI because it's so rounded. And that's the thing that I don't like about it. It's like you will notice very quickly how it, uh, you know, it kind of screws things up. So, oh, yeah. so look, you okay. see it right here. I so, do. so that's one thing I don't like is that it's too round. So, I'm nitpicking here, but that was one of the things I put in my review. <laughs> that's interesting, and I think that also speaks to how like phone design is changing, and maybe apps aren't all designed oh, around yeah. these new kind of form factors. I mean, I think the other one is also the curved edge display introduces all of these problems, and we've seen them for years now. They they've been around for a long time, and we've griped about them for a long time, and nothing seems to have actually changed. Like, it's just like, well, that's how it is. Yeah, yeah. Just deal with it. Yeah. It is a good panel, though. It's HDR10 plus capable. Yeah, but it displays Netflix in 720p. Well, that sucks. I know. That, I, I don't I don't understand. They said what they did. I honestly, I, I need to talk to them about this more because they said a, Netflix will display in HDR10 plus in the app. But they didn't say the videos would play in HDR. They said the app is HDR. So if the app has an HDR10, like an HDR color space support, if, but if videos don't play back in HDR because it's only 720p, can you can you play back HDR video on Netflix 720p? I don't even know. Like it, it's so confusing, and to me, it's just like bizarre that they won't go for the more for the higher tier widevine support because the phone is clearly capable of it, and it's it's some kind of licensing issue they're having, and I don't really I don't understand what the problem there is. I think it's a matter of what OnePlus does a lot. In their kind of stubborn ways, and we can talk about that later when we talk about IP rating, water water resistant, and you know, and and back to the OnePlus Two with lack of NFC, they're kind of weird answers to some questions, which are very I hate to say this, but but I feel like there's a culture, there's a bit of a cultural rift still. Like it's like this, hello, like your market is this country, you know, this is a big market. Netflix is probably the number one source of video after YouTube. Yeah. So what gives, right? I don't know. I, I think I've seen a lot of people speculate that it's a cost thing. Um, I don't know how Netflix structures Widevine certification. If like a certain tier it's free and if at other tiers it's not anymore. I don't know how that works. Um, I haven't really researched it. If that's the case, then you know, a lot of times these issues run back to money um, for obvious yeah. reasons. And I could see that, but at the same time, it's a feature that is so clearly like something you should have, you know, especially if you're saying your screen's HDR. Like if you can't do Amazon HDR, if you can't do Netflix and HDR, which are the two biggest HDR video services on the planet, like the only ones that meaning actually matter at all. Like those are the only two video services that have yeah. meaningful HDR content. Yeah. And so if you're saying, well yeah, the screen is HDR, but it doesn't play HDR video on anything you'd actually watch <laughs> other than YouTube. For like all ten HDR YouTube videos out there, yeah. Know. Is there even YouTube? There HDR is YouTube HDR, videos? and oh. um, in my experience, the playback performance on phones is not good. Ah, uh, surprise. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so the display. I, I look. I'm pretty happy with the display. I think this is a, good. This is definitely an area where they spent money. The curved edges are not too obnoxious. They're pretty flat for curved edges. Yeah. Um. It kind of like if you are trying to picture this display in your head right now. Imagine what the Galaxy S10 Plus display looks like in terms of size and general shape other than the rounded corners and remove the O. Yeah. Remove the 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 punch hole camera and you pretty much have the OnePlus 7 Pro display. Yeah. 
And then, um, what else is there to talk about on that? I don't know. I think that's it. What do you think of the performance? I think it's excellent. Specs and all that. I mean, specs, like, everybody wants to talk about the RAM and everything, and I think, you know, honestly, you'll all be fine buying the 6 gigabyte version. You oh, don't yeah. need no. 8, you definitely LPDDR don't need 12. ddr 4X. Yeah. Um, it's the same same parts everybody else yeah. is using. I mean, once you start using a Qualcomm chip, in this case, the wonderful, the super fast 855, yeah. you're looking at using the same everything yeah. else, right? Totally. So the same NFC chips from NXP, which is owned by Qualcomm and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you have a variations on that. But um, did you, uh, is you, the UFS... 3.0 a new thing? It is. So, okay. so the first phone to have US, UFS 3.0 in any meaningful way was the Galaxy Fold. Um, so right. that was a bit of a whoopsie. And so the, the OnePlus 7 Pro <laughs> will... three episodes on that whoopsie. Yeah. And so the 7 Pro will actually, much to Samsung's chagrin, I'm sure, be the first phone on the market with any kind of meaningful distribution to have UFS 3.0. Which is Samsung's technology, <laughs> which is hilarious. It's also very funny because, you know, this 90 hertz display panel is Samsung's technology. Like, I guarantee you that the Galaxy S10 Plus, that phone can support 90 hertz. I guarantee that screen works in 90 hertz. So, but, so this is a Samsung panel? Oh, it sure? has to be. Oh, okay. without a doubt. Without well, question. Could, could it be an LG panel? No, no. I don't think so. I think I would rate that as, like, extremely low probability. How about the panels that are made for Huawei? What's that company? Oh, Three I'm not letters? Sure. I'm not sure what the name of it is. Yeah. I'm Do they be... make panels for the P30 Pro? I thought the P30 Pro was Samsung. Mm, I think they make the Mate X panel. Okay. Oh, yeah, that company makes, yeah, the Weirdo company makes the Made X Correct. panel. Yes. No, so P30 Pro, I think. BOE, that's it. Yeah. BOE makes a bunch of really nice displays out there. There's a few kind of more budgety phones that are yeah. using them, and I'm pretty impressed with them. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure Samsung is the only game in town, meaningfully, at the premium traditional OLED display level. Like, so it, it's definitely a Samsung panel. And I think what happened is Samsung probably wanted to do 90 hertz on phones, and I don't think they were probably happy with the battery life. Huh. I, and I think, I mean, that's why the one thing about the OnePlus 7 Pro where everybody's been like, it's fine, is the battery life. It's good, but it's not exceptional. It's not as good as the 6T. So here's an example. Uh, in my in my testing, it's been pretty close to the 6T. Here's an example, though, uh, of something you get as a bonus from listening to the podcast. I, in my review, I was a little lax and did not do any battery testing other than my kind of empirical, I use the phone for a while and I have a good idea yeah. of what it should last. But since then, I have, and I actually got six hours of screen on time over two days. Yep, that's about what we've been getting Casual use, which I feel is okay. It's not horrible, and it's not spectacular. Yeah. And I didn't, like, put em much emphasis on it on my review. I just said it's fine. Most people, I think, uh, heavy use for one day will be probably okay. Definitely. And two, two days of casual use. Yeah. And then, you know... You can recharge with a 30 watt, watt warp 30 charger, 5 volts, 6 amps in like no time at all. Yeah, it's crazy how fast um, that 30 fact, watt charging is. I'm still is. using the old OnePlus charger with my 7 Pro because I'm like, whatever, I don't yeah. care. It's fast enough at that point. Yeah, it? the new charge brick is big. It's really if big. If you've seen the McLaren version one, it's the same one. It's the same and one. So it's it is, about it's the same size as a MacBook 12 yeah. inch charger, about that. Yeah, and so what's interesting is they can't take it any 
faster without doing a dual battery in the phone. Right, at this point, that's right. Which is what Vivo has been doing with and their Oppo, phones. Right? Oppo's doing it too. Vivo has the fastest implementation yet. They have a 50 watt charger. Holy crap. And I had it, it's the R17 Pro, which came out oh, in Europe I have that. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that has a 50 that's watt. 50 so watt? 50 watt charger. Oh my God. And you can just watch the, if, if you're starting from like five, you just watch the battery tick up. Like, it's amazing. You can walk away from a 10% battery for like 10 minutes and come back. It's at like 75%. It's incredible. Wow. Granted, that last 20% or so takes a while because just the way batteries yeah, work. Yeah, well, it's the same in my Tesla. Like, I never charge my Tesla more than 95. It just doesn't matter. Because yeah, it does. You yeah. Get, I, get, I kill those five miles I'm going to get in just sitting around the air conditioner on yeah, in about three minutes. You exactly. know what I'm saying? So I just don't bother. But I think it's the point, you know, charging is a good topic because wireless charging, which is <laughs> always, this is such a, this is a real sword fight in tech punditry because some people are right. really, okay. vo so really vociferous about this. Here's what I'm going to say. It matters to me. I understand that it matters not to many people, but I here's my biggest gripe. And I want to talk about pricing and all that and the context of which this phone fits in the market later. But I feel like my biggest gripe is that in that product category of the premium flagship where they're clearly playing, because they're also arguably playing in a value play here, but in that category, you need wireless charging. It's, it's not something you do optionally anymore. I have to agree. I, because Apple has it, Google has it, Samsung has it. It's it's one of those Huawei things. Huawei has it. Huawei has it. So I think it's one of those things now where yeah, you it's do they've any got a, Oppos or Vivos. Is this a BBK thing again? Like the could, IP rating? It could be. Uh, I don't believe. Uh, oh wait, no. Maybe Vivo does have wireless charging on some of their phones. I don't remember. I honestly exactly. don't know. I can't recall any right now. Like Huawei is a good example of like the Pro version always has wireless charging, but the regular doesn't. Yeah. Like P30 versus P30 Pro. May 20 with May 20 Pro, it's it's like I get it, but like this, if the seven didn't have it, but the seven Pro doesn't, that's like ah, oh, you're grinding me the wrong way. Yeah, I, I I wish they would add it because it is such an obvious one. I think part of it is I think one of the the real issues probably comes down to packaging where they're just looking at i mean this is the one plus seven pro is a thick phone it's 8.8 millimeters the same almost to the millimeter size as a note 9 yep and the note 9 is a thick phone it's a beefy phone yeah. i don't know how much thicker i'd want a note 9 than that or heavier but did you see how thin a wireless cordless? is we're literally talking one tenth of a millimeter yeah but I, I imagine there has to be some um some kind of insulating material i'm talking about width okay with they're the really okay. thin so i think it would it would be 8.9 which okay. i can understand it's like it's still 8.9 Okay. Right? I guess if that if that really was what it came down to, I'd be totally for adding it. Um, I, I I do not understand why they're so resistant, other than perhaps there's just some kind cost. of production and supply and cost issue. Or again, nobody at BBK can do it. Yeah, <laughs> which I really doubt, honestly. It, I, I doubt that too. It's not hard. The the there's so many solutions out there. Yeah. it's not it's not complicated. So another thing. I'm going back to the display again because the fingerprint reader is yeah. much improved on both the 7 and the 7 Pro. It is. It is, a th I think, a third generation optical, uh, kind of like the P30 Pro. As yeah, the third what I've heard optical. is that all the generation whatever Yeah, well, is I call it third gen. Yeah, so do I. But, but I, what I think is basically, you know, it's an optical sensor. So it's essentially a camera that looks at your finger and takes yeah. a photo of it through the display. Yeah. And so they've improved apparently the optics and the processing performance. The, pro Which the processing performance is differences. It's so much faster. Yeah, way, way faster. I actually think, 
and this is my experience, that the OnePlus 7 Pro is the fastest and it's closely ahead in speed to the P30 yep, Pro. Just a little and bit faster. And that itself is closely ahead of the Galaxy S10 with its ultrasonic. I think the Galaxy I, S10 It works be, really well yeah. for me. But but I feel like it's still sl slower. Yeah, the S10's fingerprint scans, scanner should be thrown in the garbage. Um, you I think it's I, that bad? It's terrible. Oh, wow. Even after all the updates, I kept using it, and it never got any. It's interesting because half the people I talk to say that to me, and I have very little issues with mine. I, mine has only gotten worse over time. I have oh. to keep re-registering my fingers because it does that drift thing where it starts ah. to unrecognize your finger. It's just... I hate it. Um, I think that these optical scanners, it's very similar, like you said, to the one on the P30 Pro in terms of performance. And, and I think OnePlus's may just come down to like how fast it starts up. It's pretty fast. Like yeah. I noticed it fast. It's definitely faster than the P30 Pro, uh, but not by much. It's not. Yeah, it's just it's a hair faster. And I think that maybe how OnePlus does the animations and software and whatever more than the hardware. Because the reality the is that compared to the uh, genuinely, in my opinion, crappy sensor and then OnePlus 60. Yeah, this is a. Uh, huge leap ahead like oh, this is. is much better like you will no longer dread using the in-display fingerprints you won't dread it i still so there are there are still, still not as fast like my pixel 3 i literally grazed the back of it yeah i think that the overall unlock time is now close to a capacitive scanner i think it's basically equal i think ryan actually did a test for us and he compared the the uh the one plus six to the um okay. 7 pro and he said the one plus seven pro is Actually, very slightly faster to get do to the you do home slow screen. Slow motion and slow it down. Yeah, I, I don't know how he measured it, but he did, and so it is actually slightly faster than the old capacitive scanner in terms of wow. actually starting up. My gripe remains that the optical scanners introduce a couple of new problems. One of which is they were they are not reliable in direct sunlight. If you're as direct oh, sunlight yeah, facing your right. phone, they do not work nearly as well. And that's the same on the P30 Pro. It's the same yeah. on the 7 Pro. That is one thing that Samsung scanner doesn't suffer from because it's mm -hmm. ultrasonic. It doesn't use light. Um, and the other thing is I just think that overall you don't have that touchstone to reach for on your phone. It's not clear where your thumb is supposed to go every single time. And so you inevitably miss. Yeah. I will say the optical scanners do have a slight advantage over the ultrasonics because they have to shine the light so brightly through the panel that it immediately becomes obvious where you need to shift your finger yeah, yeah, as yeah. long as you're looking at it. Yeah. If you're not looking at it, you're going to miss. And that's the nice thing of having it on the back of the phone where you can literally reach in your pocket, touch the sensor, and as you pull yeah. out, your phone is unlocked. Yep. And, and you, that nobody else has touched that you yet. Can't, you can't do that with the, uh, with the end screen it. fingerprint reader. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then another little display quirk that I personally feel in that, again, in that category, that premium flagship category should have been addressed, especially since there's an AMOLED display, is a true always-on display. What I mean by that is if you put your Pixel or your Galaxy S phone down and you've turned on the ambient or whatever always-on screen, you will always see the time. It slowly shifts around a bit. You'll see notifications as they come in, but you'll see icons for these notifications persist on the screen. You'll maybe see the weather uh, or calendar widget or something. And OnePlus does not have that on the 7 Pro. They have an ambient, what they call an ambient display, but it's very misleading. What it does is if you uh, tap the screen or pick up the phone or notification actually 
comes in as you're looking at the phone, you will see it light up with the time for a yeah. few seconds. And that is new. That is actually new. The ambient notification thing is new. And everybody, as you like one thing everybody in the audience cheered for was that when was they so said. so funny. But to me, it's not good enough. Like the whole point is if I, my phone is on the table and I'm in the other room, I come back to the phone and I can see three emails, yeah. uh, two Facebook notifications. Whereas right now I literally have to touch the phone in some way to see that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it's important to a lot of people. I'm a weirdo because I don't like always on display because I, I don't like the drain. My the battery. drain on the battery, yeah. I like the ambient notifications, though. I want yeah. the screen to light up when I get a notification, but I yeah. want to do so in a very dim and restrained manner. I don't want the full screen light up, which is what almost all the other Chinese phones do, which is super obnoxious. Right. I just want a little... Tiny little yep, thing. And I want to just use those OLEDs Hence, to keep it black all around. Hence ambient. Yes. And and so um, I am very appreciative of this new feature on the 7 No, Pro. I'm, I'm appreciative. I just wish they'd pushed it all the way and given us the option. Same with, you know, there's no notification LED, which is, for me, a, a gripe, but I think for some most people that doesn't matter. But there is a feature that lights up the curved edges, the yep. edges, when a notification comes in. Unfortunately, so far for me, it's only worked with Facebook Messenger and with text messages. Now, I know from Ryan that it works with Slack and uh, Hangouts. So it's probably looking for the message I think it's target. looking for messaging because email doesn't do it. And I wish it could be configurable and the email would be red. Yeah. Just like notification LEDs are configurable because they're RGB. I mean, I know it's asking a lot and Galaxy no longer has notification light and the Pixel no longer has notification light. The Pixel 2 still had one. Ah, uh, whatever. I can let that one go. But while it's charging, I'm not letting go. And I'm also not going to let go of IP rating. And I want us to talk about that very briefly. Look, the reality is this phone, if it got an IP rating, it wouldn't be pretty. It'd be like IP53 or 57 or 55. It basically, because it, it's a moving camera attached to it, even though it has a gasket on it, it's not going to be a waterproof phone. It's not going to be like the Galaxy or the iPhone that you can submerge. Yeah. You, you're going to be able to splash on it. And that's what actually... Uh, OnePlus claims, they say that it's splash resistant, yeah. but there's no proof right now that they've tested this in some sort of lab. So so I actually saw today, and this is very informal YouTube test, um, is a guy dunked his 7 Pro for a total of 36 minutes. And there were no problems. Why 36? Because he did because a one minute, and 36? then a five minute, and then oh, a 30 minute. Okay, and so, um, And the results were basically, everything still works, no issues so far. Some water did get in the speaker because that's what always happens, and so it muffles it, um, which is yeah. Eventually, with it. it dries. Yeah, it dries out, and that's not a problem. Then the charging port, you know, you got to shake it out, and a lot of times the charge will be like there's water in the port, um, which you have to wait for it to dry. Same as you do anything. He didn't see any strange water ingress in the top camera. I think as long as the module is closed, it's probably fairly reliable. I will say these are not proper dunk test there's no water pressure it's just gently setting it in the bucket right and so the problem is that doesn't emulate the real world because if you're dropping a phone five feet from in the air into water which is what usually happens, yes you are forcing water into yeah the it's going to be that big splash that you it's get it's a different scenario like it's the difference between you entering the bathtub very yes, gently exactly versus diving off of a diving board uh, you know three feet into water right um, and so, yeah, I think that's, I mean, look, what bugs me so much about this is not so much that they don't have it. It's more that they are so obnoxious about they are. having it. <laughs> like that whole video they did and everything, like it kind of, again, reminds me of that cockiness that they had around the NFC for the OnePlus 2, where they removed it from the OnePlus 1 on the OnePlus 2. They didn't have NFC. And when Martinic... Uh, and I, Andrew of, of Android Central, discovered that back like four years ago at the briefing. 
we were like really upset about it. We talked to Carl about it and he was all super dismissive. Like, oh, nobody uses NFC. And literally Android Pay had been in, on the market for six months by then. And, and you know, NFCs can be used for Beam, which is going away with Android Q, sadly. But it's also, uh, apparently there's a replacement, so I'm not gonna get yelled too hard. I was really pissed on Twitter when I found out. But apparently there's a, it's not that it's going away with nothing, there's something coming to replace it. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but then also, um, you know, NFC is used for pairing Bluetooth. I know it doesn't happen often. It's like maybe I beam once a year. And maybe I pair two devices a year with NFC. If I remember that even have NFC on them. Yeah. But it's there and it's nice. And I couldn't believe at the time that, you know, well, our users don't really use it. And that's why we save, what, 20 cents for an NXP chip or something. I'm like, this is a problem that I have with OnePlus. And this is kind of maybe a good segue for us to talk about kind of like the pricing and where this fits in the market. Because look, the value is incredible. $670 for this phone blows my mind. Oh, it's nuts. It is insane. It's what makes, I, I wouldn't mean, say it makes the phone, but it's what makes it obvious. Yeah. I mean, I called the phone in my review magnificent at one point and spectacular another one. I really mean that. This phone, because like in the vac in a vacuum, it's pretty damn great. But then you look at the price and the value is just off the charts. But the question I keep asking myself, and I know this is not just sold in the US, it's sold in other markets including Europe and maybe some more price sensitive markets and markets where people buy phones up front but in the US I don't think it makes sense in a way to hold back some of these features like wireless and and IP rating that cost that would cost money and like if you put that in and it costs $700 instead of $30 more at retail it would still blow our minds in terms of value and and it wouldn't matter to the casual user walking into T-Mobile because they would probably pick between an iPhone and a Galaxy and maybe the OnePlus finally. So at least they have a chance no matter what. Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's something what I've seen everybody pose as well. You know, this this part of the smartphone market, anywhere from about $250 to about just below $700 is considered the, the dead zone in the U.S. smartphone market where nobody buys anything. It's the uncanny valley of smartphones. <laughs> and so... Everything above $700 is existing in its own little world up yeah, there. And yeah, those yeah. are the phones people buy. And then everything below $250 is garbage. And it's Well, yeah. Like, basically, the Moto, the Moto G series is the cutoff. It right? is. It like, is it's the like cutoff. You go below there, and you are on uncharted territories. There be Krakens, okay? Yeah, yeah it's just crappy prepaid phones. Yeah, that's all yeah, it is. Yeah. And so that's, that's, you know, in the U.S. market, that's definitely true. But, so I think there's an interesting argument to be made in that, well... With the shift toward payment plans, everybody says, well, nobody's looking at what your phone costs anymore. They're just looking at, you know, like, you know, they just want this phone. It costs this much relative to this phone. You know, it's kind of very similar. I think OnePlus being on T-Mobile, I think that being able to present a significantly lower installment plan than Apple and than Samsung, I think it will start to show some appeal there. I but think that will matter. I agree. Absolutely. But would you notice if it was a dollar more a month because it had wireless charging and an IP rating. Yeah, and I think that comes down to what the rest of the world wants out of the phone and how much more price they're willing to want to put in it. So I mean, I, I honestly thought when they gave me that phone two weeks ago and they briefed me, we didn't have pricing. Yeah. And my judgment as a 15-year-long tech journalist reviewing phones 
was this is a, you know knowing what their history is and what the phone was bringing to their was that my, my head was this is a seven hundred fifty dollars. That's where it was exactly where we all were. I think you know for right? AP and the consensus was it's probably going to be about seven hundred fifty bucks. At that point, you do seven hundred. I'm still happy. Six seventy is like okay, amazing, and yeah, it make, it's making us talk about this right now yeah. uh, on the podcast, and obviously every reviewer is talking about it. But I'm kind of questioning again, like how far down can you go? In that, in that relentless pursuit of saving costs, OnePlus. Here's what I kind of want them to do. What if OnePlus made a $1,000 phone? And what I mean by that is instead of matching the premium flagships of the others, what if they actually made a phone that cost a lot of money, but that just blew everything out of the water because it would just be so much better. I don't think they could build it. I don't think that phone it exists. It doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah, the materials don't exist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah if OnePlus could go in a time machine a year ahead, they could build <laughs> that phone. They, yeah. People would pay $1,000 for that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. I know. But, but, I mean, that's kind of what I was kind of basing my thought on. But, uh, look, the reality is, you know, for a long time, and I put this as the conclusion of my review, is that I said, for a long time, you know, OnePlus was marketing this flagship killer thing. And we all laughed because it really wasn't. I kind of feel like this yeah, might be this now. <laughs> now I think they did it. Like yeah. it is kind of a flagship killer. It does. It does. I think it. I think it really is. And I think you know, six hundred seventy dollars. I wonder if that price point was really chosen to say we are two thirds the cost of the other guys. And that's you know a nice. That's a nice round number to have. Where yep, it's uh, it's it's two thirds the price of You're right six sixty six, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously they can't price six sixty six, but uh, <laughs> the price of the devil. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I think honestly, and also, you know, it's everybody always says, oh, OnePlus is inch up their price every year, which they do. They definitely do. Time has proven that. But is a just as a value equation. I think this is the strongest phone since the 3T in terms of just raw value. Oh, absolutely. The 3T was one of my favorites. In fact, the entire 3 Series overall was my favorite until the 6 Series came out. Yeah. And the 6 is another high spot. The 6 I is pretty good. I think to me, the reason... I, when I reviewed the 6T, I said this. I was like, if you can live with slightly lower battery life, like if you can just sacrifice one thing, I think the 6T is a better value because it's cheaper and it gives you a headphone jack. And a much faster fingerprint reader at the time that mattered, yeah. right? Now it's forget it. Now it's a seven yeah, pro. The seven pro puts you over the puts OnePlus over the camera hump, as it yes, were, where it's yes. finally like, yep, you're buying it yeah. because you're getting it. And also, you know, Verizon certification, T-Mobile yeah. availability is a big deal. And we had that on the 6T as well. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to inventory the other things I want to talk about. There's a couple more things before I want to switch to some other topics. One is the headphone jack or the missing headphone jack no surprise i'm no i'm not i'm i'm not happy about it but i'm going to let it go cuz samsung still has it lg still has it so but what was weird is they didn't improve include an adapter and at the same time and you know that's a 10 cent part yep, out of saving, Shenzhen, uh, saving right? those cents though because here's the thing you're going to say well miriam knew there's a dock and a headphone amp in there no OnePlus in my test since the 6T and now with the 7 Pro supports both analog and digital over USB-C and the analog dongle is literally not active. has no components in it other than wire and I yep. think a resistor that tells two pins on USB-C I'm an analog audio dongle. So we're talking literally 10 cents in Shenzhen. So the fact that they didn't do that and you know granted the Bolt's Wireless 2 came out today for $99 at the same time. And they're kind of doing, they're very much modeling themselves after what Apple and Samsung yeah. did with their buds and their AirPods and whatever they're called. And I get it, but I'm like, come on. 
like you you are you have this legacy baggage of early adopter tech savvy folks who still really like their analog audio i'm i'm one of them it sounds better to me no matter what and and so like i have a million adapters but like it's kind of a dick move you know yeah i guess i i guess i i do understand it i just I personally am past the point of caring very much. I feel like it's one of those no, things. No, but it's the adapter I'm caring about. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. No, definitely. I'm I'm also past the point of caring too much about that because I think we've had how many generations of iPhone without a headphone jack? Three now. Yeah. I think we're at the point where people understand, like, a lot of phones don't have headphone jacks anymore. Unless it's a Samsung phone, it's unlikely you're buying a phone with a headphone jack these days. Ah, those were the days. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to yell at the clouds now. I understand OnePlus' decision on that. And I also feel like, well, you know, I honestly, like, I, I bought a headphone dongle. I have a ton of them, but I wanted yeah. I wanted the new I wanted the new Pixel one. I wanted the one with the newer digital, the newer DAC. So the best one I have is a HiDiz. It's a company that makes, that's all they make. They're uh, super high-end. Mm -hmm. um, and they're $30, which is really affordable. That's not bad. And it's super small. It's the same size as the Pixel one. Mm -hmm. Uh, so no weird like because you it's audio file grade. Yeah. It's just the electronics are incredibly good. Like I pointed that out to Vlad, who is my kind of audio file friend. He's been on the show a few times. Vlad of the Verge, Vlad, Vlad Savov, and he said, "Oh come on, like this unless you go like with the big brands and spend multiple hundreds of dollars on a dong, you're not going to get anything good." I'm like, I'm like. <laughs> try this one he did and he's like holy crap you're right because in the in the order of the world of the universe of digital dongles not yeah. analog but digital the um google pixel one especially the newer one is a pretty good one yeah the essential phone is still a, one of the better ones well yeah that is and a dedicated piece of hardware the one that's even better than that is the razor phone one hmm. and then then the hide is one which is like a superlative way above that. Yeah. But the Titus one comes with three modes and you have to physically flash it using a PC. Wow. Not a Mac, a PC, to either have super high fidelity and no microphone support. Uh -huh. So you can't use earbuds that have an input. Interesting. Um, or like medium fidelity, it prioritizes audio re reproduction and the sound quality of the mic that it loses so noise cancellation and stuff like that uh -huh. for mic. Or you have the normal mode, which is pretty much makes it sound like a Pixel, an essential dongle. Um, but yeah, I did that research. And here's the good news, though. If you're an audiophile, the built-in headphone amp and DAC in the 7 Pro that you can access through the analog dongle is really good. So you don't actually need to buy uh, anything but like, um, you know, Moto compatible because Moto all use analog dongles. So the Moto Z compatible, yeah. which is a great segue. So same, same DAC and amp yeah. that you find in any other Snapdragon 8. Correct. Yeah, device. actually, I think it might be... It is possibly better than that hmm. or at least implemented better with maybe better, better components maybe better grounding yeah maybe <laughs> grounding, better, better capacitors and something yeah. like that um but yeah so that's uh and the last thing i want to talk about really briefly is obviously the software but you know it's exactly what you expect pretty stock android i have two gripes one gripe and one great thing mm -hmm. there are a bunch of new modes like ram boost that basically does a ram disk and captures your apps in it um, that's, I think, what they're really doing. <laughs> they call it something else, but that's really what's happening. Yeah. So your apps launch instantaneously. But the Zen mode is really cool. Have you it's tried interesting. Have you I haven't tried it? it. I'm aware of it. I think it's an interesting idea. I tried it just once because I was reviewing the phone. And I have to say, being able to, tap, to tell your phone to basically shut the F up for 20 minutes and get into that productive zone on your computer doing whatever you're doing and then have know that you don't have to even attend to it it comes back mm -hmm. is a pretty nice 
done thing, and the camera works while you're doing it, so you yeah. can take photos. Inter- it's an interesting idea. I'd, I'd have to play with it some emergency more. calls work as well. Yeah, it's, um, it strikes me as one of those things where it sounds it sounds very high minded. Like, and I think I think it's better than do not disturb is what I'm saying. Like, interesting. It's, it's, it, because it gives you that it forces you. You cannot you cannot do anything when it's in that mode. Like yeah. you're stuck. Yeah. You're committed. You know, and that's pretty cool. Um, the gripe I have with the software is shelf. Would you have the same gripe? Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, stupid. okay. So the reality is this: you know, the launcher comes with OnePlus with all the OnePluses has. If you swipe to the to the left to the left screen, you get normally on most launchers, you either get nothing or you get the Google Discover page, which is basically like a news aggregate, and you've got the new like yeah. weather and all that stuff in there. Where did you park your car and all that? And you know, I know I'm a bit of a Google fangirl, and I use their services a lot, but I really like that. And not just because I use a Pixel, but almost every phone I'll put a launcher. Like Nova, add the, the there's an add-on for it mm-hmm. that I install. And this this is the thing that bugs me the most is that you, the T-Mobile version of the 6T and the 7 Pro have a, by default Discover, and you can turn on Shelf. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a toggle. But the unlocked version doesn't have the top. Like, why not put, put a bill that gives us the Discover page, not by default, give us the shelf by default because you're OnePlus and you want your freaking own custom left screen, but, oh. I think so. I have I have one guess as to why this is the case. So on Timo version, Discover is the default, right? So you Discover's on. My guess is that's the situation is Google says if you want Discover on your phone, it has to be the default left pane experience. But then why can't OnePlus be forced to that? I I think that maybe OnePlus wants the shelf to be the default experience, and they believe that that is more of a, more interesting to them. I, I don't really know, and it's, it's a question they're never going to answer because it is a business question. It is not to it me It still costs them nothing to have a switch and default to the shelf. I don't think they can be. That's my thing. I'm pretty, I'm guessing almost to a certainty that Google requires, if you're going to use Discover, that has to be the default experience on the home screen. Oh, and I, they don't want that. And then it becomes political. Yeah. And I, I think I think <sighs> that OnePlus wants the shelf to be the default, but T-Mobile had the overruling power because T-Mobile's like, no, we have a search revenue agreement with Google and you're putting the damn pain on your phone yeah, <laughs> or else. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a single SIM phone again, the, the, the T-Mobile oh, is version. It? Yeah, like the 6T. So, you know, the SIM tray is different. There's like a, basically a plastic piece covering the second SIM. Okay. Um, but I don't actually think there's even a connector in there. Like it's not just a... If you find if you swap SIM holders, you'll have dual SIM functionality. I think the firmware is different. Interesting. Yeah, I remember it's locked to T-Mobile as well, yeah. so it's not like uh, you can just decide. And you'd have to be a customer in good standing to unlock it and all that. So you know, remember when you buy from the carriers, it comes with baggage, and often that baggage means a sh- ton of uh, apps that are pre-installed that you don't want. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of more things I want to talk to you about. Um, I've kind of lined them all up here. One of them is is kind of old now, but I didn't cover it on the podcast, and I feel it's kind of worth covering. Maybe is the uh, Z4 leaks, a Moto Z4. We all thought the mods were done with. I well, I had doubts, but I was leaning towards the Z3 being the last of its breed, and we're finding out that might not be true. Yeah, that's that's very strange to me. I don't think anybody in the industry at this point is like Moto should be doubling down on mods. I don't think anybody holds that opinion. So what happened here is we got a leak from Evan Blass, EV Leaks, uh, that shows the phone basically. And what strikes, I mean, there are some things that make a lot of sense. It's really thin. 
which we've come to expect from the Z series. It has the mods connector in the back. It has a headphone jack, which the Play series had until the Z3 Play. Yeah. That dropped it. And now it's back. And then it's got a single rear camera. And yeah. so that's where it opens cans of worms. Last year, what was weird is the Z3 Play came out and it was what you expected from a Play. You know, it had updated the display basically with a notch. It had a single camera, but it didn't have a headphone jack, which was a downgrade for them. But it was also thicker and had a big battery and it was what you expect from the Z3 Play. Then the Z3 came out. Remember, we were in, we were in Chicago for that. Were you mm -hmm. there for that? Uh, I was not. Uh, and we got to play with the 5G mod and stuff. I mean, it didn't do anything. It was just a piece of hardware that didn't do anything yet. But it was like in July or something last year. And the Z3 had a separate 835 in the world of 845s. And yes. had dual rear camera. And it had the same display as the Play with the notch. And we were like, okay, so... And no headphone jack. So I was like... But the pricing was almost the same as the Z3 Play, yet the processor was an 8-series. It just didn't make sense. It was definitely not a premium flagship anymore. No. Whereas the Z3, at least one of the versions of the Z always has been. And here we're looking at a phone that, again, we don't know what the specs are, but a single camera on the back tells me they're probably going to try to sell this thing for 300 bucks. I'm guessing probably more than that. Motorola is um, never priced really competitively on the Z series, they always end up doing big sales on them. And that's how they, that's the one time anybody starts to recommend the Z series as well. It's $150 off. <laughs> and that's when people start to say, oh, well, I guess you could see for the right person. That would make sense. But the ones that were really successful were the Play Editions, and those had bigger batteries. And so that was really the draw, usually, is the Play would have a bigger battery, a lower power processor, it lasted a really long time. And the mods were whatever. You could put the battery mod on it to make it a battery beast, like just last for days at that point, which was kind of cool. But I think I think the problem for Motorola is, you know, number one is pricing. They've always been bad at it at the flagship. Yeah. Tier. Oh yeah. They, their prices are bonkers, and they operate on this stupid logic that oh, we introduce this crazy high price, but then we have constant discounts, and we just make it such that kind of like LG. Kind of like LG. It's a bad strategy. <laughs> it's being a bad strategy. It makes forever. it impossible for people to understand what your product really costs. And even with the G series, they're trying to do that now. Yeah, they the are. G series went up to three hundred. That's too much. Which is way too much for what it is. Yeah. Um, I reviewed the G seven Power by way this time. I was like, that looks intriguing. Holy crap, that battery life, man. 14 hours screen on time, <laughs> three days, non-stop use. That's insane. Um, so this is interesting because it seems to me that this is like they heard the feedback from last year where we had the Z3 with dual camera on 835 and the Z3 Play with a 6 series Snapdragon 600 series and a single camera, but very little battery life difference and no headphone jack on the Play, yeah. which was breaking from tradition. And we ask, and in fact, the Play being a little more expensive at launch than the Z3 at launch. Yeah. And I think they've merged the two, basically. This is I think no so. pretense of battery life because it's really thin. Headphone jack's back, single camera, and then instead of the regular notch, it has a teardrop notch now. And instead of the fingerprint reader on the side, like last year, mm -hmm. it's supposed to have it embedded in the display. Yep. And so to me... I don't know what to make of it. First of all, I'm stunned that there's going to be another mod phone. Secondly, I don't know how much it's going to be, but it's got to be less than $400 is all I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm guessing. And it better have a Snapdragon 845 at least in there. Or I'm 670 guessing. or 710 or 730. Yeah, I don't know. I see this being a $500 phone. 
Just, I think it's going to be 500 bucks, and I think the only... But it's going to sell for 350 after, exactly. like, one week. I think Motorola's only play they have left. The fact that it has one rear camera to me is interesting, um, because Motorola, the same Motorola has historically been behind on cameras, like saying a three-legged horse isn't going to win the Kentucky Derby. I mean, they're just, they're so bad at cameras. They always have been, too. Back when they used to use the old, uh, God, what was the name of that company that made those terrible image sensors? Oh god, they were so Omnivision. Omnivision. And their cameras were just the worst. They were just so bad. Motorola had this philosophy of oh, people aren't using these cameras for photography. They're tools, you know, they don't need to be amazing. And it just like it showed so how behind the narrative they were. I think the only play that makes sense for me here is if they come out with this. The only and, play? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> I see what you the did. The only there, play here is they if they're going to launch a new mod phone, they need three mods right out of the gate. They need one, a very slim down but extremely powerful battery mod. With wireless charging. With on. wireless charging. They need a camera mod that is actually good. That yeah, is that has a lot. What a shame to put that name garbage. on there. Oh, oh man, I remember God. playing with that thing. It was like like the cheapest, crappiest, like, you know, like fries point and zoom, like, you know, <laughs> been in the box and since two thousand eight at the back of the store, somebody forgot it was there. You know? <laughs> it's just it was so bad. Yeah. It really was like taking getting in it was kinda of fun because like time traveling back to when digital cameras were garbage. You know, yeah, it was yeah. actually that terrible. They managed to make a garbage point and shoot, which they is did. hard to do today. And I, I think the other thing they're gonna have to do is this has gotta be on carry. Like, it's got to be without the carriers. Oh, this... I can guarantee you this is a Verizon phone. Yeah, I don't because know. Because the Moto, they have the Moto Mod, and they're still trying to, like, the 5G Mod. Yeah. They're trying to, like, push it still. I wonder if this will work with the 5G Mod. It should. I hope it does. I hope it does, too. Oh, my but... God. Can you imagine if only the Z3 works? Because, you know, they said the Z3 Play might, and the <laughs> Z2 might, like, in the future at the time, in wow. July, when we were there. Like, when we asked, we're like, what about the other phones? Like, I mean, no, we're not talking about the original Z series, but how about the second gen Z series? Yeah. They're close enough. Oh yeah, we might me we might do that. Like we're not sure yet. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. You don't have an answer for me. But like nothing crickets since then. In fact, this whole 5G mod, it's like was purely a marketing exercise to be able to say we're first. Yeah. Because you know that if if God forbid, if you buy and I'm not religious, but if you buy a freaking 5G phone this year and you make that radical mistake. Do yourself a favor and buy an S10 5G, okay? Yep. Just like, bite that $1,250 like, bullet. <laughs> or, or maybe a V50 when it finally becomes available. Yeah, it's print. You know? Yeah. Oof, because don't buy that mod. It's the, it's the most ridiculous thing yeah, ever. It's pointless. It's not even clear that like Verizon's network is in Android or set up to like actually use the connection for anything but like speed tests. It doesn't seem to actually work. Like, if you try to download an app on the Play Store, like, it doesn't use... Did you know that uploads are not working on 5G yet? It's yeah. It's only downloads? Yeah. And uploads are 4G LTE? Yeah, no, oh but also, God. like, if you try to download a big app from the Play Store, like, it'll just use LTE because it's not flagged. It doesn't understand yet. The operating system isn't at the point where it has the very basic necessities to work with 5G right yet. Wow. Unless you're talking about, like, a sub-6 5G network where it's always on or something like that. You was know. there an article on Android Police about that? No, I don't believe so. Okay, I saw an article somewhere about 5G and Android as part of the whole I.O. announcement. And, and Gadget, I think Sherilyn Lowe had a post about it. So um, right. I have I have not read it, but I know that they're doing they're making the necessary changes to the OS in Q. That's to, right, exactly. To really get you know Android to the point where it actually works with 5G in a meaningful way. Great. Um, I'm going to add that to the show notes. They, they tried to play it up as this big announcement. It's like what you're saying. It's actually kind of disappointing that actually Android wasn't 
already just you can't just really kind of patch this in to existing devices because the S10 5G is going to launch high. Like, and when's it going to get Q? Yeah, who knows? Um, anyway, we have best. time for one more, and I'm going to let you pick this one. I got a few here. Um, so we've got oh, we could talk about the OnePlus Seven, which is identical to the OnePlus Seven Six T, but with a six fifty five upgraded fingerprint reader and a forty eight megapixel camera. Yeah. So you get the big yeah. I think same chassis though. I'm so so it only costs thirty pounds more in the UK than the Six T did, which is not. It's just a little bit more. It's just not. It's basically what the Six T now is on sale in the US because you get it for with eight gigs for the same price as six gigs before. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I am curious why they're doing this. And I think I mean I talked to OnePlus a little bit about this, you know, kind of like on background and. It sounds like the answer is they think the U.S. market's just different. And I mean, I don't see this fitting into the U.S. strategy. Me either. Uh, but yeah, basically think of a 6T with a, a Snapdragon 855, the 48-megapixel IMX586 sensor, and the improved fingerprint reader. So you're actually fixing a lot of issues and upgrading some. So that's pretty good news. Yeah, definitely. Last topic I want you to pick one. So there's a choice between a Lenovo folding laptop an HTC cheaper blockchain phone, uh, and Amazon potentially coming back to making a phone, oh God forbid, and then this interesting rumor of an in under-display camera from Oppo coming later this year. Okay. I think let's talk about let's that Let's talk about one. that one That's because I, one. I know this is existing technology. Oh, it is existing. It I've is. been predicting it forever. I mean, that's the holy grail, right? So it works. So I, I was actually talking to ZT about this. Does it go black in that area when the photo's taken? It does. That's yeah, okay. what's supposed to basically happen. So ZT has been working on this for a while, too, apparently. They've oh, yeah. been working with supply chain people. And I've been talking to them like, about this for ooh, going like been a year now. Where they're like, we see this. ZT has specifically avoided doing the pop-up cameras, <laughs> but they have some patents filed just in case <laughs> because they think that the under-display camera is going to be where it goes. Right. And to see Oppo doing that is very interesting because Oppo is definitely, of any company that comes to mind, the company that's pushing the form factor for front-facing camera artists. Mm -hmm. They yeah. really are the one. They're doing the motorized stuff. It's their thing. It is their thing. It's their kind of little uh, technological niche. And so I, I would definitely think that it's going to happen in the next two years. I think we're going to see it. And I think... That also probably speaks to, in a lot of ways, where probably Apple wants to go. Apple, you could never see Apple using a motorized camera. It never happened in a million years. Oh my God, no. No. But the idea of hiding the components under the screen where it simply fades to black when you need to say like face ID or fades to black when you take a selfie in that little area, that feels very Apple. I mean, that's the solid state version of the, of the pop-up camera, basically. Yes, exactly. You know, in, in many ways. A solid state pop-up camera. It's a solid state pop-up camera because, <laughs> you, you know, that's what technology does. You remove the mechanical parts with software parts. In this yeah. case, black area where the camera would be. And, I mean, we've already got a lot of sensors under the screen at this point. You know, the proximity sensor, figured that one out. You know, it flashes a little light. Yeah, so, you know, I was just trying to do a GIF of the pop-up camera on the 7 Pro mm -hmm. earlier, and I noticed that, under the display is that little flashing light that I guess either proximity, I guess it must have been proximity. Yeah. You can't see it with your naked eye, but if you use a camera sensor on it, the camera sensor picks up the infrared, so you see it. Yeah. And I think you can also put things like, at this point, I think uh, there are like ambient light sensors. Those can go on the screens. We saw it in smartwatches years ago. Yeah, doing it. Um, and I think at this point, they can also. Pebble did it, but yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
And so I think that that's the direction all of this is moving. You know, the other ones, you know, I think, you know, we can always fit uh, capacitive sensors under screens now. So anything that would need capacitance, you know, we can get into there all the fingerprint scanners that we have already. I think the things that you would need to figure out would be, you know, we need camera, obviously. That's the hardest one, I think. Yeah. But once you can do something like, I think if you can do like, you know. Uh, microphones, because we have speakers now. Microphones. We have displays emitting sound. Yeah. Now we need a displays capturing sound. Yeah. I, I don't know if the display would ever, that's an interesting idea. Even Vivo Just with their portless a, phone still had to have this tiny little cutout on the Basically have a MEMS microphone right in the glass. Yeah, maybe. Piezo, like using the vibration of the glass. I have to say I'm not a fan of those piezoelectric speakers on phone. They, no, no. They but like... for microphones, piezo mics are yeah. great. Mm, interesting. And so all you need to do to piezo mark is basically you put a piezo sensor on a surface. So the, the screen could be that surface and the piezo mic's attached to it. And then your entire screen vibrates to, and actually works really well. But for the reverse, it's not powerful enough. Yeah. And too tinny. Yeah, it, right? is, it is very yeah. tinny. But uh, yeah, I used to do, I used to use piezo mics when I was doing like band stuff when I was in, in college because you can mount a piezo mic on an acoustic guitar, literally oh. tape it to it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the entire guitar becomes a microphone. Yeah. And it sounds really rich because you get that wood and everything. Anyway, yeah, it's cool. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that, you know, the other thing, you need the cameras and then, like, you need laser projection for all the Face ID stuff. And at that point, you have it. Lasers. Lasers. You do need the lasers. Freaking lasers. And yeah. so I think that's that's definitely, that's got to be the future at this point of where that's going. And yeah, this is exciting. To me, if this is real, I'm super excited to see what's going to happen in the second half of the year. I know they're working on it. I know, like I've said, they, they, you know, talking to ZT, like we've seen it, we've demoed it, you know, we're not happy with the performance yet. So the article mentions Huawei yeah. and Oppo and a few others, and I'm thinking Mate 30, Mate 30 Pro. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's farther out than that. I so think, P40. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it could be. P40, P40 Pro. And I also have to wonder, like, how good are the cameras going to be? And that's another question. If it's a big down step, if you're taking a, if you're taking a big cut in quality, I think that is... Well, so You could end up with the in-screen so, fingerprint so, camera all over again. So I think at first it's going to be like that, but I think here's what's going to happen. Eventually, if you do a very large aperture camera, like f one4 you can compensate for the transparency issues of the screen. Even if the screen is black, you're going to lose some light yeah. because it's not it's not a truly transparent yeah. display. You got to go through those OLED pixels, right? So I think that's the solution is you large large pixels on the sensor and uh, big aperture, and hopefully you can compensate. We'll see how it goes. I'm sure it's going to yeah. suck at first. Yeah, probably. And But somebody can say, we're first. Woohoo! Yeah, it will be, that will be something that, you know, if you asked me 10 years ago, like, will we be able to do that? I have been like, nah, nah. no way. That's insane. And now you're like, yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, happening. Cool. Well, listen, we should wrap up. Uh, do you want to tell the audience where they can find you on the internet, on social, and, you know, Android police and all that good stuff? Yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter uh, at RDRV3. I'm there for all you can stand. And uh, <laughs> you can also occasionally find me still writing on AndroidPolice.com. That is my job. It's just that I don't get to write as much as I'd like to anymore. Um, and, yeah, you should you should read AndroidPolice.com if you're interested in Android things. Now you just get to yell at Ryan and, and at Artem as well. Yeah, pretty much. I just yeah, yell at everybody. Yell at everybody. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you know where to find me, folks, at Tankerl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character, but without the vowels. And there's also a YouTube channel that's a compliment to this podcast, youtube.com slash Miriam My name spelled out, no spaces. If you don't know how to spell my name, go to Twitter and you'll see my name there. 
And then finally, uh, I want to remind you to subscribe to the YouTube channel and like the videos there, but also subscribe to this podcast. If you stumbled on it by accident, it's mobiletechpodcast.com. That's where the RSS feed lives. You'll also find us on all the platforms, us being me uh, and my guests. So that's Google, Apple, Pocket Cast, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify now which is exciting. And then we want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible.com has been helping us for a while and they're a pretty great platform if you like books. But for some reason, you can't maybe physically read a book. You're driving all day or something. You need to listen to books. Well, audiobooks are your key here. And they have a great selection. They have a whole bunch of books read by the authors, which I really like. It's cool. And so, you know, if you want to help out the podcast, um, please check out the show notes uh, below. There is a special deal, 30-day free trial from Audible at audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. And if you do click through and become an Audible customer, you will help the podcast. So thanks so much for that. And thanks so much for Audible for being our sponsor. Dave, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Again, it was great to have you. Always great to be on. Awesome. We'll have you on again sometime. And in the meantime, we'll have a show next week. So stay tuned for that. And cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.